This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by Bob Keipel. We are excited today um, to welcome Chikaya Robertson to the show. Uh, Chikaya will be joining the network at CX of M Radio shortly with a new program. Um, and that's why we have her here to discuss it. I'm so excited to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so presently, uh, Chikaya is a senior principal. Um, global lead product survey research with Accenture. Um, but more importantly, she has a PhD in applied psychology, which I know Bob has a question about. Oh yeah, it makes me scared just to think about talking with a psychologist. Hopefully I won't reveal too much. <laughs> you know, I, I already know what I need to know, Mr. Kaipo. See? I'm ah, too I'm late. a little bit concerned to be honest, well, but then you uh, do we can deal me. with that later. Yeah, yeah we're gonna are, She's a good one, everybody. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, deep, okay. it's, deep and, it's deep and dark there, Chikaya. Maybe I can get some free advice later. Yeah, so there you this go. might actually be good. We'll so, see. We'll see. <laughs> Chikaya, you're actually the second applied psychologist we've had on our show. We had um, somebody named Dave Fish on uh, okay. earlier in the season. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about your decision to study applied psychology and how it led to the work that you do today? Absolutely. I, I absolutely love what I do today. Let me just start there. And it's, it's unfortunate that everybody can't say that, but I think it's so critically important to love what you do. Um, and it's going to be a really shallow answer, so I'm going to apologize in advance. There are, wow, over 100 plus disciplines of psychology. And I was like, well, which one makes the most money? <laughs> so I thought, you know, I want to be that kind of psychologist. What does that look like? But the, the truth is, you know, what we, I think one of the things that I wanted to, to really, really do is how do I understand how to measure human behavior, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about human behavior, how can I predict or even begin down a path that lets me anticipate what people are going to do? Psychology is understanding human behavior. So the psychology aspect has always been just so super interest, interesting to me. I just wanted to get further into it. Um, and I have to attribute, though, part of my journey to um, one of my professors in grad school who was really big, not even grad school, was an undergrad. I went to the same university, Southern Illinois University at Carbondale for my entire educational, you know, from bachelor's all the way to the PhD program. Mm -hmm. And she was an IO psychologist, industrial and organizational psychologist. And one of my, one of my decisions really was being exposed, I'd say more to the I side, so like the industrial side, but I've been practicing more of the O side, is standardized testing, to be totally honest. I'm thinking, how can we make these tests more meaningful um, for everyone? You know, I think, I think back 20 
plus years ago when I got my degree, there was not a lot of, um, I, I would say, diversity in how, um, how the tests were taken, the names that were used in the test, the experiences in the test. So I'm like, well, I want to be an IO psychologist so I can go out and change that. These standardized tests, standardized tests don't speak to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and then the O side got me really, really interested because in organizations, you know, an organization is a system. And so understanding that system was all, always really, really critical for me to understand. But my program was really heavy in methods. So the true title is, you know, applied experimental psychology. And so the experimental um, part is kind of um, the measurement piece, program evaluation, statistics, psychometrics. So I didn't know about that before I got in, but when I was exposed to that part of the psychology, I was like, oh, I want to absolutely do that. You know, so ultimately survey research is what I've been doing since day one, you know, designing studies, um, creating experiments, right? Real psychological experiments. I got my, you know, early on still in grad school, I was working for a smoking cessation, cessation you know, lab. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And so the, the true experimental side. So it was a, a combination of a bunch of things, but I really love applying psychological principles to real world problems and when I understood what that really meant the rest of my career kind of followed that track so it's what I do at Accenture is what I've done prior to Accenture um, just really understanding how can psychology be interjected in solving real people problems or real business problems and so I've had the pleasure of doing that no matter where I've gone in my career it's the best choice I've ever made that's really cool. Well, I'm, I'm already thinking of some experiments we can do on Bob, but I think that's for I'm ready. So, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, actually, we're here to discuss your, your new show on the CXFM radio network, which we're really excited about. Um, can, I know we've had some side discussions about the title for your show. Can you share the title uh, that you've chosen and, and, and what factors went into its creation? Absolutely. Is there a drum roll on the show? We got a, we are doing the official. We don't have, we, got no drum we have roll? nothing. No. Oh, Bob, I'm going to I'm gonna need you to up the production. <laughs> I am going to ask you to just say the title slowly, please. Absolutely. <laughs> Bob is starting trouble already. <laughs> the title is all, it's hashtag all things X. And that's X with E and the big X at the end. So all things uh, X. Okay. So, it's X meaning experience. You have so many people talking about experience, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be, you know, a customer experience professional. Everyone wants to be, a, you know, employee experience professional. Um, you've got patient experience, right? You've got student experience. You've mm -hmm. got all these things that are centered around experience. Um, and, and so I, I struggled with, do I call it all things X? I had a title, which was the intersection of X or X intersections, because one of the things that I think we as people, right, professionals in whatever field we're in, I don't think there's enough kind of cross-discipline collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. I think I think you've got to look at what the academics are doing. You, you know, academics are studying theoretical principles, right? But how are those principles being carried out? How do they have to be changed? How does the theory need to be tweaked a little bit for a business in a business environment? So that's kind of the practitioner side. Practitioners are out there doing experience every day, whether it's customer experience or whether it's, you know, employee experience. It's big every, like I say, it's big now. So, um, 
you know, the experience aspect has so many pieces to it. And then finally, you've got people like me who are in the insights industry, which is our new fancy name for, you know, research. I really like insights, though. I'm an insight. That is good. So it's kind of like you've got people studying the theory. You've got people practicing the theory. And then you've got a researchers trying to research the, you know, the impact of the theory and the impact of the practice. So all things X or intersections of X kind of, how do we bring all those people, right? The discipline, the theory, the practice, the research under one roof. That's and that awesome. is what my show is about. I want to have academics on. I want to have um, practitioners on. And I want to have people that are doing the research. It, in particular, people that are measuring experience and not just hard metrics like the conversion rates or the click-through, but how do you truly measure attitudinally, right? Behaviorally, what does that experience need to look like and feel right to be right? So that's kind of the all things X. That's kind of the concept behind it. Um, I know the show format is, is relatively short, but how awesome would it be to have an academic, to have a practitioner and have a researcher all in one session and mm. talk about what that handshake looks like or what it needs to look like? That's awesome. Um, you've talked a lot about um, what you're hoping to accomplish. Can you just maybe think of an example? You know, maybe it's a 20 or 30 minute podcast. What would be kind of an example of a, an episode? So, you know, one of the things that is, very, very hot right now with our society um, and the awakening and this whole social justice movement, right? That means that there is more attention being paid to inclusion and diversity, as an example. Um, so when you look at inclusion and diversity, everybody wants to know, where are the articles? You know, where are the frameworks? Everybody is interested in, you know, what, what do we need to be doing as an organization? So take that as an example, the idea of inclusion and diversity. Everybody wants to fix it, right? Not everybody. I saw an article that says we're not going to tackle it. That's not our business. And we're going to talk about that later. Mm. But let's let's take inclusion and diversity. What are what are your academics saying about it? What what are the constructs behind it? There's this idea of intersectionality, which is where you've got gender that co- interacts with race, or you've got gender that interacts with, you know, LGBT, uh, you know, LGBT plus. What does that intersection intersectionality look like? So we've got the, the theories of racial identity, right? We've got the theories of an inclusive workforce. We've got a framework that deals with that from our academics. Um, they can talk from that standpoint, but you also have IND practitioners. You have consultants out there now. I bet we've gone from in March to from, if there's, if there's 10,000 IND practitioners in October, there's a million five. Everybody's an IND, you know, mm. consultant now. So, so they are bringing I hope the theory of IND or the theory of inclusion or the theory of belonging into kind of a a practitioner role. Like what do you need to go out and sell? What are you consulting about? And then you have people like me, your insights professionals. What are we researching? Have we made the connection between this is a, just a a, a really world-class inclusion, um, you know, curriculum, and it has the impact of include of of raising inclusion by X quotient, right? A show could put together all three of those folks and talk about what are we missing as practitioners that the the academy hasn't thought of yet. You know, maybe there's a different theory to how this works. Then you have someone like me on to say, well, when I study inclusion, inclusion is made up of these things. But someone else studying inclusion, well, no, inclusion is actually made up of these things, and they're not they're not the same, because I think just like the the practice of experience right now, 
everybody has a different definition for what that means. So bringing all of these, you know, kind of three pillars together in one show would just be the epitome. And so I can see us tackling an issue like inclusion and having all three folks on and talking about what they each bring to the discussion of inclusion. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, people are going to really get motivated and get ideas from listening to your podcast. That's a great way to set it up. Thank you. I yeah. hope so. So Chikaya, what, what key insights could you give to CX practitioners out there about how to do customer experience research and, and how to read and interpret the results of that research. Maybe in particularly, particular, you might comment on what are the most effective types of research and metrics that motivate C-level executives to make changes? Good question. It's a long question, so I had to write down the, the key yeah, I know, tenets. I know. So, Bob, Bob think, wrote it. That's why. He's a deep I thinker. I should have known. Oh, I so deep. Known. Think. She already oh knows. You said you knew earlier. <laughs> I, I knew. I figured it out. Um, so good question. So I think effective, the effectiveness of the research has to pin back to the hypotheses that we're testing. Um, and there's, that's kind of where my applied psychology hat comes out. People think that you just put together a couple questions and ask it, right? It doesn't work like that. What is your hypothesis? What are we trying to test? So effective research has to tie back to a hypothesis. What do you expect to find? And that's where the academic comes in. The academics are saying, we've researched it and we believe this is going to happen. So in the context of customer experience, let's just say, um, and I'm just, I wasn't prepared, you know, not, this is not a canned exp um, nope, example, so let me just try to get to it. So <laughs> we, we think that if you, in the post-COVID world, right, and you have to be six feet apart in a room, so what, what, what conditions have to exist, right, in a, in a retail, um, environment, for example, um, where you have to have your shopping cart so far away, or you have to walk down an aisle so far away from a person. What is, when I walk into a store, how can that experience be tailored to me within the guidelines of, um, of COVID, within the guidelines of trying to be safe in a retail environment? So the right research technique to answer that could vary. It could be observational methods, right? It could be uh, a survey that, you know, is asking people when they went into the store and they had to abide by these guidelines, how did it make you feel? Did it, did it interrupt your shopping experience? Um, you know, what would you like to see different in that? So maybe there's a survey that is launched after. Maybe there's a, um, a tool at the end cap that you can interact with. You know, I'm giving away the free advice to everybody in experience mm -hmm. measurement or experienced practitioners. So you, what you're trying to find out First, I don't care what it is, you have to start with the, with the hypothesis, but the methods that you use have to be tailored to the questions that you're answering. And if I'm in this instance where I'm trying to figure out how can, as a retailer or a grocer, how can I create an experience that works for my customers that makes them feel good, not that they're in like a, a, a hazmat container, right, mm -hmm. but also abide by guidelines. And so what you're going to do in that instance is going to be different than, than you know, if I'm in uh, paying a utility bill and I can't help but to be so far away. So I think the research method has to match the hypothesis. And then when it's all said and done, what's coming out on the other side? You know, is it a set of actions that me as a grocer can take that, that says, based on my research, if I um, maybe 
put, uh, you know, placement differently. Maybe it's not about the end cap. Maybe there's something in the middle of the aisle, you know, who knows? So I think we have to understand what the question is we're trying to solve for. You design a study to solve for that. And then the output has to be something usable for my client or whoever, you know, for that grocer or that retailer to go then and act. If you don't have an ability for the research to give you clear actions, then it, it's probably not a good research design. So it has to have at least those three elements. Do you, uh, just to follow up a little bit on that one, do you, do you uh, work with clients, um, obviously wouldn't name, who uh, don't think that, sorry, say deeply about it and they just have a superficial idea like, hey, let's just do a survey and see what we find out? You would be surprised how many people well, think you just do a survey not, and see what surprised. people find out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I hear it all I, the time. <laughs> it's amazing, right? You, it, It's so hard. And it's just kind of like, you're going in and saying, I want to make a thousand bucks, but you know, I have no idea how I'm going to do that. You, you have to have a plan for research because the, the one thing that I won't do and the one thing that I shouldn't do is try to help you solve your problem when you don't have an articulated what your problem is. Mm -hmm. And so I can't be effective as a researcher. I certainly can't be effective as, as a practitioner if I, haven't, if I don't have that answer. So you have to tell me what are your outcomes, and I, what I like to say when I'm going into a research project is, what is the headline? If I know what your headline is, I know how to craft survey questions to get at what you need to then fuel your headline. Now, if your headline is tied to a hypothesis that wasn't found to be true, then we're going to need a new headline when it's over. But the guiding principle uh, for me, for me to understand what I need to do when I go into a survey development exercise is understanding what that headline is. Because then I, it, I have to be able to craft questions that'll get at that. And it's, it's, I'm not seeding the research, but I'm seeding the ability to answer your questions. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Good one. Mm -hmm. Well, Chikai, I'm going to take it a little off topic now. Um, it's come to our attention that you wrote a book called Motivation by Passion, Held Back by Fear. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what your motivation was for writing it? Absolutely. Motivated by passion, held back by fear. Yep. Uh, with co-author uh, Sheila Downer. So the motivation was, you know, there is a lot of people. If you, it, it, There's a lot of people that are living life unfulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. They're going through the motions. They are not living a purposeful and passionate life. So it's a motivational book if you hadn't figured it out by now. Mm -hmm. and, and it's based on research. I can't, I can't imagine doing anything without research underpinning it. So what we did was we asked a thousand women, it's uh, based on American women, a thousand American women, um, you know, basically, are you living your best life? Like, are you living your passion? And we found that some women are living their passion, but we found so many more are not. And so what the research uncovered was there is a pattern, right? There's 10 distinct principles that every woman that says she's living her passion is what they live by, you know? And I'll give you one of my favorites, for example, is forget what they say. You cannot exceed and excel and live your best life if you're worried about what other people say. You have to learn how to be confident and stand in your own because there's always going to be people who maybe don't want to see you succeed, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can't let people, um, you know, kill your passion. We actually have a chapter called Passion Killers. Passion Killers could be people. Passion Killers could be not having enough time, right? There's all sorts of Passion Killers. But the basic, you know, if, if you take away one thing from that book is there's 10 things that successful women do. 
that say they're living their passion. Do those things, period. If you do those things, you have a much higher likelihood of, of being a happy, you know, fulfilled person. And I think life is too short to be on this earth to not feel like you are happy, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have situations that don't make you happy. But if you have an optimistic disposition, you owe that to yourself. You owe that to your family. You owe it to your children. You owe it to your employer. You owe it to your family, your friends. And so how many times have you walked into a room or to a meeting and you see Debbie Downer and you're like, want to go slit your wrist because she's so freaking down and you know, it's unfair. You know, <laughs> we, we need to, and if you have to, you know, edit that part out, I, I understand. I'm nope. just, you know, nope. I really feel like Stick to it. I'm it, loving this. You know what? Right. It is, it is our duty to be happy and, and yeah. be good. Right. So yeah. that is what the book is yeah. about. How to teach people how to live their passion. That's awesome. And you know awesome. what's so great about this, Tom? It's like hearing somebody who's really clicked on and really passionate about what they do is just always inspiring. So again, a good plug for this podcast that you've got coming up. I think it's going to be super. And I suspect that you do, um, beyond reading the book, you work with empowering and encouraging women in other formats, right? What, is, what are some examples of that? Yeah, no, good point. So um, outside of the book, trying to, <clears throat> trying to teach people um, basically just how to be happier, more fulfilled people, I do a lot of public service, right? And one of my passions um, is, is to help youth discover a life that they might not otherwise have discovered through entrepreneurship, right? What we learn is that the field of entrepreneurship is not so how do i want to put so i think exposing people to principles that they don't get at school right so for example um how to open a checking account why did they take that out of school why did they never put in school the fact that the government is going to take 38 percent of your money when you're an employer taxes right um social justice how to write a bill you know how to track congress these are principles how to cook you know, I used to have, you know, I used to have, uh, what is it? Home Remember Mac? Home Mac? Remember Home, home Mac? Mac? Oh yeah. my God. Oh, I yeah. love Home Mac. Yeah. But guess what? These kids don't know how to cook, oh. right? So personally, yeah. my passion and, and what I do offline, right, mm -hmm. is how do we expose children to things that they're going to need to be human functioning adults? And I'll tell you, this is a conversation that I had with my daughter. She's like, mom, are you ever going to, did you, when is the last time you used the hypotenuse at work? <laughs> when, is the last, you know, when is the last time hey, you saw your career meant well if that's not your career though right yeah, but you I, don't I'm, know you don't know i i, I you don't, don't know, know. What, you don't know what's gonna pop up i tell you i use i think i use algebra almost every day because <laughs> it's like a form of critical thinking right yeah i, mean, I yeah. feel like i'm always solving for why but if you would have asked me years ago yeah. if i there's no way i didn't have a science career or whatever <laughs> so no i it, it doesn't hurt us to be well-rounded Absolutely not. Um, I think Absolutely civics not. civics is another thing. You know, my, my wife came from Singapore mm -hmm. and they, they grew up with a really strong culture in school about what it meant to be a good citizen. And mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're really missing that in today's world too. Agreed. I, I just think our kids need to be better prepared coming out of school. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
life life seems a little more complicated today than it was when we were kids. Or maybe That's great. I mean, back to the home ec thing, you know. Back oh, in you the see, day, we got you stuck on home well, ec. No, no, I don't want to touch. No, 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 I just. Oh, we I, all loved home ec. <laughs> I didn't it. take it because the boys oh, didn't what? take that class. Oh, you missed what? out. You man. went to That's, the wrong yeah. school. He went to the wrong school. I mean, don't you think there's something there though? I mean, it was kind of like the class that the girls took because they were the mm -hmm. ones that, that were going to be doing the cooking and all this kind not, of stuff. Not oh at my, my school. Everybody took people. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah we, uh, um, I, I just remember. Yeah. Everybody took it at my school. Either that or maybe I just self-selected because I love to cook. But yeah, I do all remember. The, you know, some guys, you know, they self-select because all the girls are in the class, right? So I was too shy. Huh? <laughs> it was a food for me. I was, <laughs> I was taken with making biscuits and, uh, and ice cream and everything. And but well, but the other oh. one is uh, the whole thing about personal finance because I agree. People yeah. don't realize no. even adults basic things, oh, and they're not taught. They could be no. taught at the university yeah. level even, yep. and people would really benefit. Yeah. Absolutely, but credit basic. scores. What makes up your credit score? You and, get a job someplace, and they yeah. go, "Hey, you know, do you want to invest in the whatever yeah. plan?" Yep. And they yep. have no tools to, no. to yep. react to that. Yep. No exposure to the stock market. Like I want to solve for that. Like if you say from a public service standpoint, you know, just a, just a, just a, what should we be doing for our people? Mm -hmm. That is, that is absolutely mm -hmm. one of the things that is, is in my heart to do. Yeah. Great. yeah. Well, Chikaya, man, you got me excited. Um, I'm so glad we got you on the network. I'm so happy to be uh, and here. I, and I'm, Thank and I'm you. glad that we have you as a friend. If we can, if you like absolutely. to call you that, um, Please. Uh, this is great. I'm so glad, uh, yeah, this is we're excited. So let's all things X. X. Not like your ex spouse. <laughs> not your ex wife. <laughs> not your ex boyfriend. No. no, that would be a good show. Just how <laughs> to bash how to bash your ex. Maybe that you guys will let me have another show where I do or that. Maybe, no, just or maybe, just, or maybe just how to understand when what went Thanks wrong. Thanks for listening you know? to this episode <laughs> right. of the Tom and Bob <laughs> right. Show. How not to be if an enjoyed ex. Enjoyed the podcast. How to be an ex. Tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. I can't wait. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources uh, but you know there may be an opportunity to do that at some point so i'm hoping that you guys will get in touch and i am so looking forward to having everyone on to discuss all things x don't forget awesome. the hashtag Super. <laughs>